Before we begin our episode on Titanic, we wanted to pay homage to Bill Paxton, who passed away recently. We selected Titanic and recorded the episode weeks before his passing, so our discussion is in no way an effort to capitalize on his death. Bill Paxton plays a large part in the film memories of both Ryan and myself. Twister and Apollo 13 are inextricable from our childhoods, and even all the way up through his television work in, say, Big Love or Hatfields and McCoys, his unique energy and delivery made all his characters remarkably memorable. And we wanted to take this time to pay tribute to him. Also, it's hard to say if we would have known this was happening, if we would have approached the episode differently or talked about Bill Paxton differently. These kinds of things do change your perspective. In any case, we want to just thank you for listening. And now on to our discussion of Titanic. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here once again with Ryan Ebling, and today we welcome a new special guest, Anne Singleton. As we come down from our Oscar fever, we look back at one of the most awarded movies of all time, Titanic, which came out 20 years ago this year. While most people have seen this movie, and many have seen it actually more than once, it happens to be a movie that Ryan somehow got by without seeing. We've invited Anne in to talk about what it was like seeing it during the rosy glow of its peak hype, and what the movie looks like in the cold light of our early 30s. There isn't much to say about Titanic that hasn't already been said. It recouped its $200 million budget many times over, grossing over $2 billion worldwide after its re-release a couple years ago. Upon its release in 1997, Titanic was everywhere, a bona fide phenomenon. Audiences loved it, and critics praised the large-scale spectacle. It was endlessly parodied and became a part of the everyday vocabulary. Of course, the Oscars heaped the praise on further, giving director James Cameron in his film a record-tying 11 awards. But is Titanic still king of the world? Or is it time to let go and let Titanic sink for good? Keep listening. Tell us, Rose. It's been 84 years. It's okay. Just try to remember anything. Anything at all. Do you want to hear this or not, Mr. Lovett? It's been 84 years. And I can still smell the fresh paint. The china had never been used. The sheets had never been slept in. Titanic was called the ship of dreams. And it was. It really was. All right, so that was Rose Dawson, not DeWitt. Right. Rose Dawson. Yeah, old Rose. Old Rose. Good old Rose. Talking about uh, her memory, a uh, very clear memory, actually, of yeah. her time on Titanic. And uh, 
And so that is a uh, early on, sort of, because I think that's actually still about 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. But early-ish on scene in the movie we are discussing today, Titanic. Right. Uh, you might have heard of it. Um, it's be- It was popular. Well, Oscars haven't happened as we're taping this, but we're guessing the Oscars are going to have happened yeah. uh, by the time that we get this up. So we were kind of in the Oscar spirit. And uh, as we mentioned in our last episode, Titanic shares a three-way tie for most Oscars ever. Um, and it's also 20 years old this yeah, year. So 20 years old. It was time. It was time to revisit, just like Rose Dawson revisits Titanic on that weird pirate ship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to revisit gonna re- Titanic right. here mm-hmm. in my office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we brought out a little help this time. Yeah. So uh, we brought in um, Anne, who um, uh, we're very happy to have here talk about her experience watching Titanic originally and, and also re-watching, re-watching it. it. So welcome, Anne. Thank you. It was a reluctant reviewing. A very reluctant <laughs> reviewing. <laughs> but we'll get into that. Um, so I think we... We we should jump into it. Unlike the movie Titanic, which takes its time getting to the meat of its story, we should jump into uh, this episode and just go with early viewings, right? Yeah. Like, well, you don't have one. And I by don't, the way, but I do have a story. I have had, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I've had waiting for this unveiling you're yeah, going to give us of I know. why the night of, I know. the night of you not seeing not Titanic. Seeing Titanic. Yeah. My, my wife listened to the episode at work and when I got home from work that day, she's like, okay, you have to tell me what happened. <laughs> so I did. So she got a preview. She did. Yeah. I'm but jealous. But you guys go first because you've actually seen the movies. And do you want to, you want to tell your story? I think yours is a little fraught too, right? Yeah. Um, everyone was seeing it. I was in high school, and it was insanely popular. Everyone had a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. I didn't. I had a crush on Matt Damon. Just Love to and put Leo. Out the record. I think my sister had a poster that said "Love, Love and Leo. Leo." Oh, it was. He was on the Teen Beat magazines yeah. and Seventeen, and like all of them. <laughs> yeah. And I, but you were Team Matt Damon. Totally Matt Damon. <laughs> in, a, in a competition, nobody was really. setting up. <laughs> no. And uh, I remember I was working and. Uh, one of the girls and my coworkers came over and told me that she had seen the movie and she spoiled some of the key sad moments in the movie. Not the Rose and Jack moments, but... Like those sort of texture. Yes, the parts that really made you understood the human quality to the movie and how mm-hmm. many lives were lost. And I was like, why did she just tell... Like, I didn't even ask for the separation. She just told me, it was so sad. And she went into all of this detail. Like tangential spoilers, because yes. they're not even spoilers about the actual right. story. In well, the- and you know the ship's going to sink anyway, so it's not like right. there's that to spoil. So then I remember going to the theater, and I just... It was so long. It was so long. Did you go by... Who, who were you with? I was with friends. I okay. want to say I was with my friend Molly, possibly, because she and I would see movies. We also saw the ones it? together. Did the other people you saw it with no, already No, no. But the theater was packed, and this was probably four or five weeks after it had opened. It was completely full. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember and that. It, it, it was just sold out forever. Yeah. Yes, yes. And people went multiple times. Right. Like some of the girls I knew went, you know, almost every weekend for three hours. And you were unmoved. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I was mainly angry. <laughs> so you were moved yeah. angry just and because I, the movie was still going on? Yeah, or, pretty much. Wow. And I just kind of felt like Rose seemed so desperate at so many different points. And mm. I was, I, she didn't seem as a strong a woman to me. As they wanted her to be. As they wanted her to be. Mm. And um, I had also, 
I remember seeing on TV a making of the movie. Mm, I think I might have seen that too, actually. With James Cameron talking all about it. And they had like of a he would model of the yeah. ship. And they were talking. And they were talking about the scene where it's sinking and it goes vertical. Mm-hmm. And it's go- and so they were explaining how they filmed that. And I remember thinking, he's so incredibly arrogant. <laughs> Yeah. So I didn't even like him, and I didn't like the fact that they had spent that much money on the movie. So I was watching. I was like, so I didn't feel like because yeah. I thought, how many other movies could you have made? It was obscene. How much money did they spend on Titanic? Two hundred million. Yeah, obscene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for that time, that was completely oh, unheard of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember it just breaking all sorts. Like Entertainment Tonight talked about it every day. So that was it. That, and you hated it. Never saw it again. Never saw it again. After this that was, one time, this was the. And I didn't even like. I love Celine Dion. I didn't like the song. Really? And it was on the radio constantly. I don't, on, I'd have a hard time thinking of everywhere. Me, there's maybe one other Celine Dion song I could even name, I think. Oh, you need you, to listen you, you, okay. to some Celine Dion. <laughs> right. She's amazing. Oh, you know other Celine Dion like that? <laughs> I saw her in concert. Oh. In Vegas or? No, in Indianapolis. Touring. She was oh, still okay. touring. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm guessing she did the song. Um, Don't tell me she didn't do. I feel like the tour might have been before that. It might have oh, been okay. with the oh, you were, the movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert he... Redford. The um, oh gosh, they were journalists. Hmm. It was a love story. That was a beautiful love story. And it had Celine Dion. So is it. that part of your hatred? That where were you guys at this <laughs> right. Celine Dion, uh, Robert Redford, Michelle Pfeiffer movie? Now everybody's no, showing up to that no. Celine Dion That was party. the much I, better Celine Dion. Well, and I think my hatred also like further became more hatred when the Oscars happened because uh, that same year the other movies that were out I thought were salt in the wound so yeah. much better uh, yeah um with yeah. as good as it gets and goodwill hunting just those two alone they was the first Oscars I'd actually seen mm-hmm. m- enough movies to have an yeah. opinion well and then LA Confidential was that same year Mm-hmm. Which we've done an episode on, and we both love. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand this. I can understand your your hatred, especially at that age where you really kind of think the Oscars are the authoritative judgment on what mm-hmm. is the best yeah. movie of the year. I remember that, like in high school, you know, if the if it won the Oscar, it was the best movie of that year. You yeah, know, and you couldn't say anything else. Like, so my experience was slightly different. I think I was actually I was a freshman in high school. So I don't know if it that makes how I don't know if you were like more on the senior side of things or I was either a sophomore or junior. Okay, I'm like trying to figure it out like yeah. when it came out in because it was the 97 Oscars, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, so it would have been the 98 Oscars. 98 Oscars. So they came out in 97. Yeah, sophomore year. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. Mm-hmm. So I was and I was a freshman and I remember um my I went with my family. My family just decided to go opening weekend. And we didn't really know that much about it. Obviously, I knew Leonardo DiCaprio. I had seen Romeo and Juliet. Um, and um, I knew that he was a heartthrob. But otherwise, I, I didn't. I was, I was mostly going because my family wanted to go to see how they were going to show the Titanic sinking. That's what we were going for. It was a historical period kind of movie. You know, that's kind of up my alley anyways. Yep. And it always has been. So I was just curious to watch the Titanic sinking, really. And so we went, and um, I think as a freshman in high school, I just was kind of fascinated at the time with a lot of the intro, like submarine stuff, too. So it kind of got me right away. And then, you know, once the love story kicked in, it's one of those things that I probably would never want to admit as a freshman guy, but I kind of did get swept up into it. And then when the sinking kind of came, I was kind of like just really, really sort of into the movie at that point. And uh, so I really liked it. And I remember even like, because it was opening weekend. So people really were just then starting to talk about it. 
And um, I remember talking about it in band with one other kid who had seen it. He was the only other kid who had seen it in the saxophone section, at least. I can't speak for the other sections. <laughs> I bet the clarinets saw it. We were we... <laughs> the flutes for sure. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, With such prominent penny whistle, they were probably like loving <laughs> yeah, that they were movie, loving the soundtrack, yeah, the score. <laughs> but um, I remember both of us liking it a lot. But we would only admit that we liked the sinking part and that the love story was the was really pretty boring, you know. And then what happened was, I, I actually was one of those persons that saw it a second time in the theater, just because I had a really good friend of mine. We hung out every weekend, and he hadn't seen it, and he wanted to. And that's when movies were cheap, you know? That's the other thing we always forget. Like, now movies are a big deal if you yeah. want to see them because it's like, you know, it seems like it's half your paycheck you're putting in to go see a movie. Yeah. My paycheck, yeah. that is. But yeah. I liked it about the same the second time. And then when it came out on video, my family got the two VHS mm-hmm. thing, and I watched it a few times at home within the first few months, and then I really hadn't seen it ever since. And um, wow. it was kind of one of those that I was a little – nervous about revisiting because my memory of it even was like i bet that doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> so so i was a little kind of you know uh, a little nervous about watching it again you know 20 years later and yeah. seeing how it holds up that's my story well now come you need to hear my story yeah, let's hear this well I'm waiting obviously um everybody had seen the movie i was 13 so i was like in seventh or eighth grade seventh grade and um, my parents were pretty protective of the stuff we saw in movies. And obviously, the, the art scene is uh, mm-hmm. well known, especially among conservative Christian parents who like to wring their hands mm-hmm. over and freshman boys movie content. So this is one of like the formative worst nights of my life. Wow. Like of my of my adolescence. It, would you say it's a Titanic? Of yeah, nights? it was an iceberg of nights. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, there was a friend of mine at school. We had both just started at this school. So neither of us knew a ton of people there. And he like kind of called me because like, Hey, you're the other person people don't really talk to. Uh, and, uh, his sister was a senior and she was going with a bunch of her friends and, uh, I, I think their parents were out of town. So she was like watching him or something. And since she was going to a movie, he had to go to the movie too, but she's like, you can bring a friend, whatever. Um, and so she was, she had been on the phone with my mom about like what time to pick me up and like all that stuff. And my mom said like, we're nervous about the content of the movie and like all this stuff, you know, and the girl like assured her, you know, it's fine. I'll like warn him when it's coming or like whatever. So she got the idea then that I must be like this really straight laced hyper Christian kind of kid. Like prudish. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. And there were like three cars full of high school seniors. And when we went to pick up her sister, his sister's friend, she like got out of the car first and like said something to her. And then like the girl like kept talking about like Christian stuff and like this sort of disparaging way. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Why is she doing that? Uh, and so we go to the movie theater and it's sold out of course, because the movie was sold out for, for years. <laughs> and so they decided to like go to a restaurant. They're like, well, let's all just go out to eat. We went to this restaurant that was like kind of a nice restaurant. And like you said, movies were cheap and I had been given like as much money as a movie ticket. Yeah. So I'm like at this restaurant and I'm like, uh, like I can't order anything. I feel like really weird among all these seniors and like, they're like sitting at all these tables and then like slowly throughout the night, the jokes about me being like a bishop's son or like a priest's son got louder and louder. 
didn't take me long to realize that they were joking about me, like talking about me. And as a seventh grader among seniors, you already feel ridiculously self-conscious. Right, right. And then, uh, so it just like kept growing and growing until like every one of them was making jokes about it, but not talking to me, like not even having the, the, the decency to say things to my face to like, say, joke hey, we're laughing at me. you, by the way. And my friend, I, I, I don't, I, I just remember like drawing on the table. Like that's all we were doing. Like my friend and I were just like drawing on the, the tablecloth, whatever. Cause they had like cranes and it was like paper. Um, and my friend just would periodically be like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Oh, and um that is such a sad story yeah i know i know that's what like it's horrible i had literally that's literally the second time i've told that story the, the first time was when kelsey heard me talk about it on the podcast last time and wanted me to tell her so that is actually a really big memory i have when i think of titanic is that night like i can't i can't you go right back to you know doodling on the mat sinking into my chair and wishing that i could go home there was even somebody from my church at the table but he acted like he didn't know me wow so that's my story of the (laughs) night i went to see titanic uh, and, and just didn't. got ridiculed and instead. didn't. Yeah, just got made fun of by Titanic would have been a nice break, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I yeah. Preferred that I, disaster. I didn't yeah. like Titanic, and I would say that would have been <laughs> a million times better. Yeah, I know. I know. It's out. It, it probably, it probably needed, feels better, It probably huh? needed to get be that out off of your me. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, ratings. But, How did you well, rate this gonna, movie? What I was going to say is, <laughs> even, even if now that you've seen it, even if you didn't like it, you at least have a new memory to go with Titanic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I'm doing okay. Like I've dealt with this more or less. I probably should examine every now and then. Like, how much is that night still holding up to me? <laughs> but uh, I, you guys don't need like tiptoe. Like this all right, is fine. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't know that it'll come up again in our Titanic. Discussion. No, I, I mean like you don't have to feel like moving on would be somehow disrespectful sure. to all right. where we I am. We don't need to process this. No, right now. I'm doing okay. okay but right. it's just that's the, that is the strongest memory I have about Titanic. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's pivot. Okay. All right. Let's just take a little breather here and let's move into uh, our next segment where we basically just, uh, you know, maybe talk about what our star rating would have been when we first watched it. Not for you, Ryan. Right. For me and Anne. And then we'll talk about, before we actually get into the discussion, just baseline, what's the star rating out of five stars? Who wants to go first? Well, Anne, have you even thought about your rating from the first time? Oh, I did. Zero stars? (laughs) I, I, you know, I'd give it a one, one star, a one, one star, star one because star Kate Winslet viewing. was in it. And as much as I didn't, and Kathy Bates, mm. and because of yeah. that, that star power was enough for me because, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, even to this day, I still have a hard still time know. watching his wow, stuff wow. because he, I mean, you He's guys just don't Jack know what Austin it was like to, to be a teenage girl in the nineties with Leonardo DiCaprio. He was everywhere. I mean, yeah. he yeah. referenced Romeo and Juliet and yeah. that kind of is where it, yeah, well, it was did you like that movie? I don't particularly care for that version of it oh, okay. yet. Oh, right. I prefer the Zeffirelli. Wow. It's been 20 years. Has your rating where's, changed? Has, has, has things evolved? evolved? Yeah. I, I would say it has changed okay. a, a little bit. Because I now see the movie more as Rose's story. Because I think mm-hmm. the first time I watched it, I was so focused on the past story that I didn't think about how it worked as the frame story around it. Yeah. And I had, and it's probably because I'm older now, I have a new appreciation for that. 
Um, I think I'm also a lot more understanding of what Rose was going through at that time. Like I've read Kate Chopin since then. I understand that time period better because when I was in high school, it was more like, I don't know why Rose is with that guy. And even though her mom's pressuring her, like it shouldn't matter and all of that. And now because I have a better understanding, I can look at that and say, all right. So from the story elements, I would say my rating has definitely gone up visually. I did not think it held up. Mm. There were a couple shots where like the camera would pan over the boat and I'm like, are, are those supposed to be people walking mm, on yeah, it? Yeah, because yeah. it just seems really, and I'm, so I was trying to remember it's, you know, it's late nineties at the time it was impressive. And I did say to my husband while, who was at least sitting next to me, not watching it, but sitting next to me while I watched <laughs> it. I said, well, it's not as uncomfortable as watching episode two of star Wars. Sure. <laughs> so the CG is not that bad, but yeah. It's not great. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get we'll definitely get into all of that in detail, I'm sure. Um do you want to say what your do you want me to go? Yeah, Since, you go. Okay. So, I think um freshman in high school me probably would have said like five stars, but I really hadn't seen that many movies to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Uh I think when I set up my Letterboxd account, which was, you know, a couple years ago and it was more my memory and I remember liking it, I had it at four stars. Oh, you didn't actually say what your new star rating would be. I'm thinking like two, two and a two, half. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, my, I'm going to go with a very personal three and a three with the added note that, boy, this is a really dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still, for reasons of just personal experience, I'm going to give it a three. So. I was going to, I had a rating in my head, and then I heard you guys give your ratings, and I thought about lowering mine. But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to stick with what I had in my head after I watched it. I'm going to say three and a half. Oh. Actually. Wow. Did not expect that. It is, it is such a stupid movie. (laughs) (laughs) But we're 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 going to talk about this. And I think, I think it's a, I think it's an unburdened three and a half. That's why. Because... All I've had is hype and hearsay mm-hmm. and then backlash. So a lot of backlash. I've had like yeah. pretty much like 19 years of backlash. Yeah. Like once it won the Oscars, everybody was like, we are sick of this. <laughs> and yep. then, so it's been 19 years of backlash. And finally, I'm like, I, just ba- very basically, it's not as bad as the backlash says. Hmm. Yeah. So that's why it was three and a half. It's kind of three and a half as related to all the backlash that I was anticipating and, and what that had me. Uh, anticipating i would never have guessed that i was expecting you to two at the most was i thought just i may get back there, down there well maybe there's, i'm not trying you need to but i'm just saying just knowing from 49 episodes worth of stuff i mean there was nothing in this movie i thought you would like like yeah the historical epic yeah. aspect of it the length of it uh-huh. you know the hey, melodrama with long movies no i didn't mean it like that i'm just saying that long we, i mean we watched that gladiator and braveheart time. and you and said that you couldn't stand it, it yeah, because you, you, you had to actually physically stand to get so through I it sleep. You know? yeah i know yeah well whatever uh, let's pause for a second and uh Talk about the fact that we're drinking Leinenkugel's beer. Does anybody know why I brought Leinenkugel's beer for this episode? Wow, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting trivia. I know you were. Oh, wait, didn't they drink it in the... No? No. Let me tell you, it is the pride of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. That's where Jack Dawson is from. And Jack Dawson's oh, from Chippewa right. Falls, Wisconsin. So we're drinking... I, it may have been Jack Dawson's uh, kin... <laughs> who who started Line and Kugels? I'm sure it was. I bet Jack changed his name from Line and Kugels to Dawson. 
it rolls off the tongue a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, right, so, so how, let's get into what's the best way to go about this. We want to talk about what we. What I we feel liked. like we probably need to get the fact what we didn't like out of the way. But I don't really have a good way to explain it other than some parts were just laughably bad. Like it's the story. Yeah. Well, like the fact that they're in that freezing water all that time and they still don't die when they're trying to get like back even up when they're on in the boat. Yes. Yeah, like how they much don't time start they shivering spend. until yeah. they're outside. When she's trying to look for a way to get him out of the handcuffs and I'm like, "Are yeah. you kidding me? Why aren't they shivering?" Uh, yeah. Okay. I, so there's some it's scientific the story questions. and I feel like <laughs> the lights were still on. How were the lights still on? I Yeah. James Cameron wrote this movie and it shows it's yes. so terrible you're, you're talking about james cameron it sounds like an it's arrogant so male mm-hmm. director wedging a love story into what he really wanted to shoot was let's make a movie where i can titanic show how titanic yeah. sank mm-hmm. yeah that's what's usually laughably bad is what's in the love story so i kind of like that it seems like billy zane's eating it up with his performance yeah. but it's <laughs> so Bad. I know like, that's so that's that's one thing so that's one thing that like, was just horrible is um Billy Zane is it's it's generous to call his character one dimensional because uh it's like he hates Picasso right. like this guy's so bad and, and like God not those finger paintings again they certainly were a waste of money the difference between Cal's taste in art and mine is that I have some they're fascinating. Like being inside a dream or something. There's truth, but no logic. What's the artist's name? Something Picasso. <laughs> something Picasso. He won't amount to a thing. He won't. Trust me. Let's put the Degas in the bedroom. <laughs> at least they were cheap. Uh, put well, and he doesn't give up. Right. I was like, at what point does she need to... What does she need to say to get rid of you? <laughs> right. And even at the end, when she's you know, covered in the shawl and hiding from him, I'm like, he's still looking for her. Yeah, that's true. What does he have? Does he actually love her? Oh, I, I, I read it as he just wants he to have her and, and almost wants her more because she doesn't want him. Yeah. But the possibly redeeming thing about that character is you're right that Billy Zane's just like, I'm going for it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of, in a roundabout way, liked it. Like, uh-huh. I liked how bad it was. Like, it was like you imagine he should have had like a mustache he could twirl at the right. same time or like, well, he had eye know. makeup instead. <laughs> so, yeah. There was there was Billy Zane. I guess I'll just keep going. The submarine crap goes on for so long, and <laughs> it does. and it just feels like it's what James Cameron thought was so cool. Yeah. Well, he, he spent so much money just yeah. getting the the footage Doing because that, that was something yeah. I looked up because I as I was watching it on this rewatch, I thought I I'm thinking he actually did those shots himself, like some of the, like the close up of the fireplace that then transitioned. Oh, I think he did. Oh, yeah, was, and he no, did. No, 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 no. Right. That was so. It was a mixture of actual submarine footage and recreated. Okay. And the way they recreated it was pretty cool. I don't know if you guys. I'm saw sure it is. I mean, features. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, but yeah, they made like a perfect replica of the the sunken ship, and then um, in order to like control the cameras like submarines. They actually like mounted it upside down, so the whole the whole set of the ship was upside down, and then they turned the cameras and the submarines underneath it upside down, hmm. so they could kind of like move them around with more natural movement. And they just filled the room with smoke, and then filmed it, and it looks like it's underwater. It wow. absolutely convinced me. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's like well, old school they, movie, but, right? Special that's, effects. That's kind of cool. So that's yeah. one of the things that I really did like about this movie is like, yeah, they did. They they spent a lot on CGI, but they also really spent a lot on practical. Effects. It was like a. It was like a. I want to say like ninety percent replica of the Titanic yeah, that yeah, was yeah, made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I've got two more things that really. Yo, oh, go no, ahead, no, no, no. There's definitely more. I mean, that whole beginning part, the frame story. I th- I feel like it raises more questions than it answers. It, it just uh, makes the movie so convoluted. And it was funny that you said like you were hooked from the submarine stuff. I, at I, the time, I put, as a, no, as a high school boy, but I thought I put, that was cool. I put in my notes, the deep sea diving opening feels very out of place, too long and self-indulgent. But it, I said, I, you can tell it's a real draw for like dudes. Yeah. Like technology buffs. Like, <laughs> hey, fellas, bring your girlfriend, see a submarine. Like, <laughs> That's, I guess it worked then. That, because yeah, as, as, because I, I think it's strategic in the times he goes back to it. Like he's starting to lose the dudes and then like, oh, here's boobs. And then he's starting to lose the dudes. And it's like, <laughs> let's go back to the, to the ship on the high seas, you know? Here's I, okay. So I read this. There was this article on Jezebel written by Lindy West, who mm-hmm. I, she's a comedian writer. She, but she, she was, she's really well known because she did this uh, really great This American Life segment uh, where she actually met one of her trolls, an online troll. Right. So she wrote this. It's hilarious. She hates Titanic, and she had to rewatch it recently. And it's a really long article where she gives the summary of it, but it's so funny. But talking about that submarine part and just the framing of the movie in general. I think she really highlights what's so ridiculous about it. it mm-hmm. She says it starts out on a modern time submarine. Bill Paxton is snooping around on the ocean floor, trying to find a big necklace to impress Britney Spears. His character <laughs> is clearly James Cameron's idea of what a cool person is like. He does stuff like wear male earrings and say sayonara in a psych- sarcastic voice. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> Bill Paxton finds this old safe in the ocean, expecting it to be full of Titanic jewels, but instead it's just an old doodle of some boobs. Total ripoff or is it <laughs> an old lady recognizes her boob doodle on the news <laughs> and goes to visit bill paxton on his rock and roll treasure boat where they make her watch a graphic cgi reenactment of the titanic I, no, I, too. I was like she doesn't want to see this actually when i was watching that part i was like is she going to interject and say that's not how it happened and then like go into an explanation yeah. I, I was kind of hoping I, for yeah, that I, said, yeah. I thought that was a pretty insensitive man explaining makeup because the guy's like <laughs> being really violent about it do you know why they put that in there well I think this it was something else too th- there was something I, I was reading uh, one of Ebert it was Roger Ebert's uh, I don't know if this is the, the reason or not but his explanation was that it really does frame the sinking for you so that when it happens you're not wondering right what's going to happen next or like you're that was not, ex- exactly why they did it so like, you don't why have did to the think, boat break yeah like they you, like already explained all of it and when you see it break you're not wondering what's going on you're kind of like oh that's what this is the we knew this was going to happen yeah. so it is kind of a clever foreshadowing yeah. but like this a movie is a lesson in foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> everything like it's so 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 obvious so what, what were some things that still drive you nuts and about this oh, movie oh gosh um the Billy Zane character is a huge problem for me just because I don't quite understand like what um what his motivation is. Like is he want her because she doesn't want him? Does he want her because she's pretty? Does he just want her have her as a trophy? Like that she, whole part. she's not going to make him any more rich. No, no that's not at obvious all. that, not that, at that all. she actually her her mother is making it clear that she needs him. Right, and that seemed very cliché to me too, the whole sure. like mom coming to her with that, so that storyline bothered me. Um, now, what about Leo now? Because it's been 20 years. So, you know, did you know did he's not really a heartthrob now. Now he's like a, you know, prestigious actor, yeah, And that's you know? the thing. I, an activist. An activist. And yeah. I do he like loves... Leo DiCaprio now, and I have seen a few things that he's done, but I still don't watch much of his stuff, honestly. When I go to pick a movie, I tend to still go Matt Damon. <laughs> Nobody's still have... making you pick between them. <laughs> I do. But I, I also... Wolf of Wall Street, I'd rather see The Great Wall. <laughs> I have to say, while I was watching it, though, I thought, 
you don't seem to need to do much acting here. Like this character mm-hmm. seems so much so easy for you. And I remembered that he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. And I'm like, well, it's obvious yeah. you didn't really have to do much mm-hmm. in this role. He um, had to die. Yeah, but even that was just a lot of kind of shivering. Yeah, yeah. it didn't. And he was managing like that. And I think that was the other main problem with me. Everything seems so unrealistic. Their love story was completely unrealistic. So it happened so quickly and there wasn't any foundation for it. I mean, so they danced the jig on the top of a table and now she's taken off her clothes for him. I'm like, clearly she's just a repressed woman who wants to be wild. And he's the wild boy because guess what? If he had survived, that marriage was not going to make it. Yeah, no, here's the thing is, I, oh, I thought for traveled the world with him. <laughs> I thought for a three plus hour movie, they really rushed the love story. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like the, it's very, that's the most implausible thing about this movie. Not so much that they get, that they fall madly in love with each other in an, an infatuous sort of way, but the level of loyalty and dedication she has to him once the ship starts sinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the fact that maybe she sees him as just her ticket out, right. but otherwise it's like, I just, I'm not buying. I I can buy that you really, really, really were swept off your feet by this guy. And he was kind of different and exotic because he was poor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess. And uh, he's a manic pixie dream boy. There you go. That's I think he predates manic pixie dream girls. You know what? Within two days, she's not only madly in love with him, but she's like dedicated and loyal to this guy to the point of like, what, three or four times going back and risking her life. Except for the moment with the necklace. She was so ready to drop him. Right? When (laughs) the necklace was planted (laughs) on him. And I was like, that was so obvious. Come on. Oh, that's true. She was was like, oh, no. And she like just gave up on him and then realized later, oh, wait, maybe I was wrong. Two things dear to me have disappeared this evening. Now that one is back. I have a pretty good idea where to find the other. Search him. Take your coat off, son. Now what? I'm on Cal, what are you doing? We're in the middle of an emergency. What's going on? Is this it? That's it. This is horseshit. Don't you believe it, Rose? Don't. He couldn't have. Of course he could. It's easy enough for a professional. Come on. But I was with him the whole time. This is absurd. Perhaps he did it while you're putting your clothes back on, dear. Real slick, Cal Rose. They put it in my pocket. Shut up. It isn't even your pocket, is it, son? Property of A.L. Ryerson. That was reported stolen today? No, I just borrowed it. I was going to return it. Oh, an honest thief. We have an honest thief here, do we? No, I didn't do this, Rose. You know it. Don't you believe them, Rose? You know it. You know Come I on, didn't son, do let's it. Go. Come on, let's you know go. I didn't do Don't it, Rose. Rose! Come on, there's a good lot. Come on, son, that's a good lot. Come on. You know I didn't do it. You know me. Another problem I had with um, just the way it was filmed were the cuts that he was doing. So, like, the moments when he shows, like, the couple in bed and the water's rising, you know they're going to die. That was, by the way, one of the things my girl spoiled to me, right? Yeah. And the mother tucking in her children. And on the rewatch, I was like, oh, this really is sad. And then it switches over to the china falling off the shelves. And I was like... What the hell, James yeah, Cameron? Yeah, yeah. Who cares about the China? Like, you just broke this beautiful moment. I'm like, because, mm-hmm. and he didn't even stay that long on some of the shots. And even when, like, the lifeboat was going through and looking for survivors, and there's that um, moment where there's a woman with an infant in the water, and you can see they're frozen to death. Yeah. And it was such a quick shot. And I was like, that's what, you, if you had held the camera just a couple seconds longer, that would have such greater impact. But then it would have detracted from Rose's story because. Yeah. And what happens when you do that quickly as opposed to a longer take is if it's quickly done, it looks more like a horror shot just to kind of shock you really quickly and then move away. 
You know, aside from even just the story as far as James Cameron's writing goes, I just think even the, um, I guess I didn't notice it much in the 90s, but it's certainly obvious now that a lot of the language even just doesn't feel right for the period. Even something like Rose giving the finger. Yeah. I don't think that would have happened in 1912. <laughs> no. And, I'll, you know, I, saying lines like, you know, even just turning around and saying, shut up. Like, yeah. I don't see that happening, that language happening. I don't see someone saying, I'd rather be his whore than your wife. It, it was jarring to me. Like, I was like, that just feels like a 90s movie now. Which is why know? teenage girls flock to it. This movie works great, I think, for teenagers. You know? Yes. It was the second movie in as many years that had Leonardo DiCaprio dying for a woman he met in the last three days as well. Yeah, but the source for the previous <laughs> one was Shakespeare. Yeah, so. I understand that. And at least that one kept the language, right? That's yes. true. <laughs> um, I... Now, yeah, it's interesting because I really did feel like the search for survivors was an effective scene. Like, I, I understand that there were things that maybe like it, it was cut very quickly, but I really do think that it it worked on me at least. As far as like the horror of that character, the guy feeling like the the ethical dilemma that everybody else had, and he was the one guy who would go look for it, and like just such a clear question in his mind of, oh man, did I do the right thing? Because now I just like ruin the life of everybody on this boat because we realize what happened and all that stuff. I thought that was actually one of the parts where the mass death was effectively portrayed mm -hmm. in, a, in an emotional way. Other times, I think the mass death was so strangely glossed over. Yeah, Like the fact that he'll zoom in on a couple characters in an effective way, but then there's hundreds of other people whose deaths are set dressings. You really just showed that guy falling because you could do it. Like it looked cool. Right, to show the guy hitting the propeller fan. Right. I think we watch those parts differently post 9-11. Yeah. That, like, we don't think that's all that cool anymore. You know, I right. think back in the 90s, it's hard to even put yourself there. But I remember thinking, like, that's kind of a cool thing to see, you know. like, And, and it seems in a movie like Titanic very tasteless. Seeing masses of people fall to their deaths is just not that cool well, to see anymore. And just sequence of falling and falling and falling and falling. And here's another guy falling. And look at this guy fall. Yeah. And look at this guy lose his grip next to his wife and fall. And yeah. Just how like, many how many different ways can we do it? You right, know? and then especially when we're invited to relish in certain deaths, like Cal's valet, like Lovejoy when he dies, we're supposed to be like, yeah, <laughs> but then like, oh, right away at the next one, and then like, cool, and another one, like it's just it, it was so uneven in in what it was doing as it portrayed that. It, I mean, it was emotionless, but I do think that there were more times than I expected. For it being actually effective. It's like the scene when uh, the lower class is stuck downstairs behind the gate. Yeah. yeah that came yeah, across yeah, yeah. as a much more powerful scene this time to me. Mm -hmm. And I almost would have, I don't know if I would have liked more of that or kind mm -hmm. of play up on that. Just, and that, because I kept, throughout the whole viewing of this time, the second rewatching, I kept thinking, whose story is it? Is it the story of the Titanic? Is it Jack and yeah. Rose's story? Is it just Rose's story? Yeah. And I, I don't know if I ever figured out an answer by the end i was still sort of confused about what's yeah. the story really about it like we try to do that with our students what's yeah. the main idea and i'm like i don't i don't I, know what it is i think he wanted it to be rose's story right okay. he wanted people to think it was rose's story but he couldn't help but telling uh brock's story the bill paxton character <laughs> like the history of it the mm -hmm. magnitude of it and like the hubris of it i actually watched the 19 
1958 movie, A Night to Remember, which is a movie that was it was a British movie, it didn't really make a huge splash here in the states, but it, no it's a, it's a, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> and and that one doesn't have any main story no to focus, it. No yeah. focus. The focus is the ship. And I noticed actually in Titanic that James Cameron just flat out rips off yep. a lot of the shots from that movie. Mm-hmm. The China falling is a direct reference to Night to Remember. The the way that A Night to Remember just portrays the the ship going down and yeah. the only difference is at the time they didn't know they didn't know for sure that the yeah, ship had split. split. So that's the only part that's not really in it, but for being from 1958, it's an almost it's crazy how almost equally convincing that uh-huh. ship sinking is, and I think more it's a more eff- affecting. it's a more effective movie. A Night to Remember also does a montage where the people are playing the vi- the quartets playing the violin, and then you see the pe- the people sort of who are resigned Just to dying and yep. giving up. But because that's the whole focus of the movie and right. not just this tangential piece, yeah, it is very very effective in a night to remember in a way that it's it never really hits in titanic um well i think i think the frame story ruins is the most egregious error because it turns it from a straight-up tragedy to a happy ending rose like living and keeping the heart of the ocean and like you know kind of ending things on her terms the movie ends on like this happy note oh and the laughably bad ending ending where it's like a dream sequence. Yeah. Does she die? Because well, I think when I was in high I school, I thought she there. died. And then I watched it again and I was like, does she? Or is it a dream? I challenge anyone now to watch that the scene and not part. laugh. Yeah. He's waiting for her at the stairs and they go up and that's fine enough. And then they kiss and, and poor clothes everybody's clapping. Clapping? Yes. clapping. What are they clapping for? And he's why wearing would, his regular would... clothes. <laughs> Right. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like he wasn't in the fancy clothes from Kathy Bates? Right. He was, yeah. He was in his... Yeah. And why would everybody be clapping? I, I have no idea. She must have died. She better have died. <laughs> <laughs> and and she, I don't think she had worn that dress before. Because this time I actually paid a bit of attention to the costumes. Oh, okay. And she had yeah. some really beautiful dresses. Mm-hmm. And that looked like a new dress and it looked even bridal. Mm-hmm. If you notice okay. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, maybe yeah, yeah. there's a deeper meaning to this I, than... No, say than, it. Than well, she did take for. his name. Well, have we, have we, have we pooped on the movie enough... Is there more that in your notes of what was terrible, notably terrible? Yeah, I guess so. Let me, let me talk about Leonardo DiCaprio in a positive way. Uh, I love watching him and Kate Winslet together. I really do. In this movie, in uh, Revolutionary. Revolutionary Road, um, in real life, like uh, at, at award shows, I don't typically follow them around and see how they're doing. But... Um, <laughs> They've got a tremendous rapport. They, you can tell they're friends. And more than the eroticism, if there's anything that makes me believe her falling in love so wholly with him, it's that she really does seem free with him. And the way Leonardo DiCaprio plays it, it's more than just he's a, he's a change of pace. Like, he really is somebody that she feels like she can be free around. Somebody who sees her for who she is, or at least sees her for what she can be. Step up onto the rail. Hold on. Hold on. Keep your eyes closed. Do you trust me? I trust you. Flying! 
you know, as much as we've bashed the script, that is something I think that's dealt very carefully with in the story. I like that Rose takes charge Mm -hmm. in pretty much every physically intimate moment with Jack. Mm -hmm. So I think it shows this kind of core difference between the relationship that she's chosen to enter into with Jack and then the one that's forced upon her, you know, with Cal. Yeah, yeah. In fact, aside from Jack's determination to keep their connection alive, he's a pretty passive and submissive partner. Um, You know, he doesn't ask to draw her. She initiates that. She initiates um, the sex in the car. She even is the one who's holding him afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think that depiction shows that through this relationship, she is making determined effort to choose a more independent life. Um, even if on the surface it might seem like she's just depending on yet another man to save her from the situation, you know, that she feels trapped in. And I think this is, that's confirmed in the conclusion because we see the life that she would go on to live even without Jack, but it also depicts a woman who was in an abusive relationship, was able to find a way out, Mm -hmm. chose to take this way because, you know, remember he does, she does see Cal on the Carpathia, uh, or Carpathia. And she chooses not because, I mean, she's, I mean, at that point, her love is gone. Right. There's really nothing. She's got nothing to lose. She's got nothing to lose. That is a safe choice to go back to Cal in that moment. I think it is important that they actually show that she does see him and chooses to turn away from him Mm -hmm. and that that strength came out of this relationship with Jack. So I think that's something that is really consistent in the movie is that this relationship is something that is giving her power in a lot of different ways. And he, he needs her to save him. I was actually inspired by the scene where she's like going down the hallway with the axe on the pipe, moving along the the flooded hallway and has to like, just like pull herself along with one arm. I was like, she's just, she's so strong right now. And then it was kind of like made funny because when she frees him and he gets in the water, he like freaks out about how cold it is, (laughs) which is like kind of a, could be just like, oh wow, the water's really cold. But she never had that moment. And it's so funny to me that, and, and inspiring that she's had this thing where she just fought through this water. She's been fighting through this water to find the ax, to find a way to free him. And as soon as he gets in, he like shrieks. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just really love her as a character. I really do. And those scenes in particular where she's hunting for the axe, that's the sort of James Cameron that's very effective at suspense. Because yes. when the lights start kind of dimming and you yeah. hear that, it's the it's the that I think is more in the um the soundscape that's mm-hmm. there. It's this like really low creeping rumbling and, like, and yep. creeping. That's very effective. I love that. And the bright lighting, the whiteness of it, I was like, this is like Kubrickian. Like, this is The Shining. Do you have anything to, on that, Anne, about the, the Rose as a strong character? I think that you said this time you felt like it was Rose's story, but... Yeah, and I, I definitely think that's why my rating went up, is because hmm. I can really see Rose as a much stronger character. And it, I think it's in part, um, like what you were saying, Nate, about how... At the end, she's got the opportunity to go back to that comfortable life. Mm-hmm. Granted, she would be in a, an abusive relationship, but she's ha- she has absolutely no one. So when she chooses to take his name and she chooses to turn away, it's like she's really standing up on her own mm-hmm. at that moment. And it's like this is what a happy ending would have been for, again, like those Kate Chopin stories I remember reading. And, and I think I really appreciated Winslet's performance and portrayal 
of Rose this time that I didn't really understand back when I was in high school and just how there were moments when just her, even her shivering, I'm like, maybe the water might've been a little bit cold, but she's really convincing me that it is cold yeah. and that she, her fear and was, all of it was so convincing to me. Mm-hmm. The way um, she blows that whistle too mm-hmm. is very like, yes. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You, you get the idea that, you know, a couple minutes later and it would have been too yeah, late, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Well, and you even think about, you contrast that moment to the very first time we see Rose when she steps out of the car and she looks so elegant mm-hmm. and tied up and prim and proper. And, you know, as it's, it's neat to see her transformation throughout the movie. Yeah. Cheesiness and all. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. I, I feel like in spite of the cheesiness, this stuff comes through. And let me just praise Kate Winslet a little further. How many leading actresses in their 20s from 1997 are still putting out some of the best work of the year consistently. Not that those actresses couldn't have done it, but she found a way to stay relevant and use, like, just to fight the the trend of aging actresses not getting hired. And Yeah. I mean, granted, she looks amazing still, but, like, there are a lot of actresses who look amazing, but they're just a little too old or whatever. Like, she's just somebody I really admire and, like, has yeah. stayed so down to earth. Same here. Well, and she's done a lot for women's body image. I mean, mm-hmm. she's somebody who is curvy and mm-hmm. isn't ashamed of that. And I remember, you know, in high school and all that, a lot of actresses were so wispy. Yeah. And I think that yeah. Kate Winslet was one who said, no, this is me and this is who I am. And I, I love her for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that in spite of James Cameron's inability to really write genuine emotion. I think that there are talents of his that are undeniable. And that is what put this movie at three and a half for me. The lighting and the cinematography is unbelievable. Some of those scenes, and they really are lit very differently. The the, the scenes that are supposed to be elegant are just beautiful and golden and warm. But then that stark lighting of the bottom floors, um, when they're, especially when they're flooding, the claustrophobia of the rising water down there is so perfectly executed for me. They didn't even have a clear indicator that the water was getting dangerously high. It's just as you go, you're like, oh, wow, she can't really stand now. Or like, oh, wow, I guess it is higher. And like, they don't really, t- it's just really, really well done. The the, the yeah. tension of that. The pacing of the entire sinking is done pretty well, where there is a while where it's people getting in lifeboats, the water slowly rising, and then it really kind of probably like the sinking up. really was. It's very exponentially quicker, and mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden the boat is really going down fast, and mm-hmm. you know people are struggling to get to the back of the boat. And mm-hmm. there's something that I think Titanic, as cheesy it can be as it can be, and maybe as tasteless in certain areas as it can be with that disaster element of it. It does give you a sense of like this is a this was a real tragedy, such a loss of innocent life, you know, for no reason. There's no real Billy Zane is obviously a villain for the love story, but there's no real villain to this sinking, you know, right. other than just human arrogance. And, yeah. and well, and it was interesting this time. I noticed or picked up on the fact that it was the captain's last voyage, which I didn't realize that, and it yeah. was. Like his reaction, like seeing the ship going down through his eyes and him just giving up mm-hmm. was such a, a, that to me was such a sad moment. Because mm-hmm. when the captain gives up, it's like, uh, now there's no one to lead them. There's no one to try to get these, because they weren't filling lifeboats all the way. And right. a, a bunch of the upper class were like, oh, this is just a drill. It's not yeah. real. And, and, and that was the other thing. I was like, they're not telling anyone. Why aren't they telling anyone? Yeah. Like the one guy who designed the ship knew and he was telling Rose, 
you need to get on a boat. And I'm like, listen to Tell him. Everybody, yeah. Tell everybody too. Why aren't you telling everyone? Yeah, I think maybe they were just holding out for some boat to come and save yeah. them. And that's something that they talk about in A Night to Remember that they completely leave out of Titanic was that there was a boat that was actually Very much close. closer. Almost, They could even see really? the flares. They had turned off, but everybody had gone to bed. Like, they, they went to bed. Off their, they had turned off their radio stuff and they, they, they just went to bed. And it was much more literally, that's Titanic, it's unsinkable. Right. And they saw the flares and they're like, oh, they're just shooting them off for fun right, or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, 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 because yeah, they yeah. were just like, well, that's Titanic. That's Titanic. There's wow. no way it's going to, you know, yeah. and they just went back to bed, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah, because in this Titanic movie, I mean, it was saying that the closest boat was like four hours away, I think. The boat that, that the that one that rescued them. Signal. Right. Yeah. The signal was going out to, right. but the other one was not responding, you but know? It was much closer. But it was, yeah, it was like, like would have gotten everybody off before it ever went on. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why he would have left that detail out because it seems like he would really love to just crank up the the irony. Yeah, but well, um, he had to show all those submarine scenes, and so there true. wasn't really room. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, every yeah. now and then it would flash back, which I actually didn't really mind. Rose's narrating this time. I don't know. No. I was kind of okay with that. And there was even a moment that I made, and it, again, it was maybe it was cheesy, but I kind of liked it when they had like this extreme close up on her eyes and then, and then it, it cut to, to the crowd and they were just riveted. And I was like, Oh, they do. These scientists yeah. have souls. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, it like yeah. flashed back to her and then it went back into the story. And I was kind of like, that's Oh, true. that's kind of nice to know that. Although the slow pan over the scientists all crying. Yeah. And then the underlining. Of, I know. That's why I say it, it is cheesy. The, I know. The, and, the underlining <laughs> of Bill Paxton saying all these years and I never got it. Yeah. I never yeah, yeah, got yeah. Oh, I wrote that I quote down. I did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Turns out my heart was the ice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was just going to say as far as what is impressive about this movie in a very simplistic sense is even though the submarine scenes go on for way too long, even though the love story is kind of implausible in a lot of ways, and we've talked about all these flaws, it's still a over three hour movie. And I was pretty gripped the entire time. Like I never really felt like. I'm too bored. We need to turn this off now. I did end I up. Waned. It was it was so late. And yeah, I watched it in two parts. discs. So we thought that when the first disc ended, it's a good time to go to bed. So I did watch it in two installments. Yeah, but but still, did it feel long? In yes, you were. Okay. I actually wrote down the time. There. I wrote down the time when I we finally got to the ship. I wrote down a time when we finally got the iceberg. Like I kept hitting the display you, you on my DVD. Like, yeah, one hour forty minutes approximately. Iceberg finally is in my <laughs> yeah. notes because I was just like any time now. Yeah, and you're right. It, it is. Happen. It's twenty minutes before we actually get Titanic, to, yeah. like yes. to the actual mm-hmm. and. Uh, granted, the underwater period. scenes are fascinating, and as far as like if you're into on the that Discovery sort of stuff, Channel, yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Like if I'm watching PBS or right. I'm watching Discovery Channel, that's a that's interesting. But for this, I kept yeah, and I I don't remember that being that long when I saw it the first I didn't time. Either. Yeah, at all. I think I was just so focused on the love story because I do love romances, mm-hmm. and I was disappointed by how this one mm-hmm. went. Sure, but um, I. I want to keep saying things I like about it. Here's one that you may not have expected from me. Um, I thought the music works. Well, it's the James Horner stuff, yeah. and it's played over and over. But even it that, is. even that, uh, the Enya stuff. The yeah, my heart will go on. Theme. I thought it was fine. Like it, it, it genuinely like. Did you listen to pop radio in the nineties? <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. I but here's the thing. I, guess, I mean, the song fits the movie. If that's what I, I would say, it absolutely does. does. It's just now, sick of it. I worked in a <laughs> I worked in a grocery store in the early two thousands, so I definitely heard my heart will go on <laughs> over and over and over again. 
But I guess I was under the impression that the song itself appears mm. in the movie. And so when it didn't, I was like, what incredible restraint. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you just hear the, the melody when they're... Yeah. yeah. I, I think the Celtic feel kind of fits I do pretty too. well. Um, I loved the, the, the jig scene. Mm-hmm. I actually was... I wanted to... I couldn't find whether or not they actually danced it, if it was them dancing it. Oh, but yeah. when they were below deck and she was dancing the jig with them on yeah. the table, I loved that. Sure. It was great because he kept cutting between that and then the brandies and cigar. And I was like, oh, you're, I mean, like, I guess it is a little obvious what I'm supposed to prefer. But I kind of was like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying this, like, yeah. between her two worlds. The, the, the reason I gave it three and a half is largely that there were things about the, at least the characters that I connected with and actually was impressed by. I imagined I would hate all of it. Uh, I imagined that it would be more overblown than it is. So the fact that I enjoyed spending time with Rose and Jack at all was a pleasant surprise to me. And then technically, aside from the script, as far as it, it being a technical aspect, I think it's almost flawless technically. Cinem- cinematography, the lighting, which is all part of that, the sound design, which you talked about, I think it's so, so well done and probably deserved its awards in mm-hmm. those areas that Oh, year. for sure, yeah. 20 years later, and this is still... Very, very impressive work. That, for me, is why I would put it at three and a half. It was a pleasantly surprised three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a really dumb movie. It's built on cliches and perpetuated cliches. But overall, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. This is, a, this is something I noticed. Rose, throughout a lot of the movie, as the scene begins, she's shot from above and the camera moves down and goes under her. And then... Throughout the uh, as the movie progresses, it um, changes to her being shot from underneath to being shot like above. So it's almost like in the beginning, Rose is sinking, and like mm. this part of her life, Rose is constantly sinking. And then by the end of the movie, every shot of her that is like that is like rising. Yeah. Um, I just really noticed a lot of the the technical stuff about it because yeah. this story wasn't grabbing me, so well, wait, but, <laughs> might yeah. as well look at the rest of it. But bouncing off that, so the, yeah, the story wasn't grabbing you. It certainly was not grabbing me this time around. But what was it about high school me? This is obviously a question for me. I can't right. expect you to answer this. We'll just sit back. But or high schoolers, well, high schoolers, like what is it that this movie is really providing them? You know, other than the obvious, like really. Boobs. There's boobs. There's <laughs> boobs. But uh, also, you know, obviously there's this this love story hinged on infatuation and emotion, which high schoolers are going to really latch on to. But there is a lot, even though it's all cliche, there's a lot that's sort of being uh, assumed in the movie. Rich is bad. Poor is good. I mean, if I had to force, I think Titanic was kind of one of my first confrontations with class issues. Mm. Uh, when I watched it in high school. Mm-hmm. And that being poor doesn't make you lesser of a person. I think any Titanic movie would hit on that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that might even be why it's a really good pairing for James Cameron, because it could be a disaster movie but <laughs> in big budget and still wedge in some of those more like liberal social issues, yeah. you know? I would say that modern day right-leaning people would probably see it as a treatise against elitism versus, you know, Rich, like, realism. Yeah, so like, no, it's not necessarily that they're bad because they're rich. 
Look at Molly Brown. They're bad because they're elitist and sure. out of touch. You yeah. Know? So I think this movie speaks to all political inclinations. <laughs> well, wonderful. <laughs> oh, good. I think I can speak to like what high school girls would like besides the romance. And I think it's because Rose is a strong character. Yeah. And that she defies what her mom wants her yeah. to do and yeah. what sure. society is saying she should do and instead choosing her own life and choosing her path. So you've got the girls who were pulled in because of Leo right. and the romance and all of that and the tragic romance because high school girls love a tragic romance. <laughs> Hence all the Nicholas Sparks movies and books, right? Well, because the man dies before things get complicated. Right, <laughs> right. And they can always just imagine that they would have had this beautiful life together right. where everyone was cheering. And uh, <laughs> But I think that whole ability to stand on your own and be independent mm-hmm. I think speaks a lot to girls who might feel like, and even guys too, like my life is predetermined for me. And I think being a teacher, we see students sometimes who feel like their parents Mm, have their whole life planned out. They have a four-year plan for Mm -hmm. their classes and all these AP classes. And Rose is that moment of like, forget the plan. Yeah, I'm going to do what I'm passionate about and I'm going to live my life for myself. And so I think that really speaks to Mm -hmm. that age group. Absolutely. Especially. And I do think that's probably an important message. Oh, it's as definitely an important trite message. As it feels to us at this point in our lives, and maybe yeah. as trite as it would have felt to me if I had seen it when I was in high school. Um, but I'm sure I know that there was stuff that told me that same message, just pack- packaged it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did um, some research on. Did you know Mythbusters covered about the door? The door, yes, which was fascinating. Yeah, right? you know. Uh, yeah, Roxanne Gay, it's still her pinned tweet on Twitter, even though she tweeted it like two years ago, was like, this is total BS. Jack totally could have fit on that door. <laughs> and Kate Winslet agreed with with that idea yeah. on the Jimmy Kimmel show and said to him, because he said this, the same thing to her, and she was like, yeah, I know. And then Mythbusters did it, and I... I mean, that was just, you know, one of those moments. But where... I, I read, though, that James Cameron, uh, actually, I think fairly recently came on he and said, yes. that, no, he couldn't yeah, have fit. Yeah. Yes. Well, he explained, like, why it wouldn't work with the story. And he actually, it's like the same sort of idea. I was thinking, like, well, the, this relationship wasn't for the long term. And I think that's something that maybe that's why it resonates with high school kids, because they think their relationships are for the long term. Yeah. Where there's a few that might be. Mm-hmm. But for the most part. Nate and Andrea. You know. They were at high school. Aww, that's true that's sweet you're you're jack and rose we are mm. now where's my applause i guess i should bring her yeah, in bring here. her in here and kiss <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah i i, I mean um thematically you're right you yeah, know, yeah, but, yeah but i think yeah. the real question is but like you know, is that just a sort sort of a, a is that an a, easy way out yeah, for the story? Yeah, Plus, like is. she would have potentially died of hypothermia laying out on the raft like that's that. What like, I, that's what I I read that she actually would have died more more surely than anybody in the water hmm. because because just the air hitting yeah, you being that wet yeah. yeah. But I mean, James Cameron can't have it both ways. He can't be like super scientific <laughs> and then like yeah, but you get it. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, I think, uh, where are we on this? Are we best buds? Are yeah. we, is it complicated? Are we a mutual understanding? I'm, I'm actually going to stand by my three and a half. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop it. Yeah. This is the point in the show where we kind of decide whether we're going to change our rating after the discussion. Yeah. And then we have a rating system for ourselves, which is, are we best buds? Which means everything's great. We totally agree. Is mutual understanding. Mutual we disagree, understanding? but we're, we can see the other point or, uh, it's complicated and there's no agreement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, doesn't happen often on this, on this podcast. Would you change your rating? I think I will. I will bump it back up to a three and a half, actually. Hey. 
part of it might be peer pressure. Like I didn't know if I, it would be cool for me to have a three and a half. Oh you know? yeah. Um, but you know, I think that three and a half is sounds went back to high school. It's yeah. yeah. They're gonna judge. It me. sounds more right to me. It feels <laughs> right, more right to be three and a half. Just, just because like... there are so I think that as long as all of us can agree that it's okay for us to all agree that this is a very dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that there's enough very to it. Very well-made, yeah. stupid movie. I could see myself if it were on TV and parts. it was like in the middle of it and I didn't have to sit through all that submarine crap again. Yeah. I would probably, there's a good chance I might keep it and on. And turn it off when the submarine crap comes back on. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you would put in like disc two and just start there? Now that's not a bad that, idea. Right? <laughs> Maybe I could just buy disc two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Anne? How are you feeling? I, I mean, I'll, I'll go up to my, I, I said I would to, do a two yeah, or two and a half, and I would pressure. do a two and a half because of the cinematography and okay. because yeah. of those aspects, because I did have some notes on that, and then hearing your thoughts on it um, has helped with that, and thinking of Rose as a strong character, but I still, there's just too many still problems with the story, mm-hmm. and when I watch a movie, I watch for story, and I watch for character. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate cinematography when it's well done, and when it's bad, it's bad. Mm-hmm. But it's not really what's going to draw me into a movie. You're right. Yeah, that makes so. sense. that's a good point. Yeah. So what does that leave us? We. Uh, I think we have a mutual understanding. Mutual understanding. Right? We're, yeah. We're, mutual understanding. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't begrudge Anne's distaste for the movie. I no. share it. Yeah. In fact, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I finally saw it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You saw Titanic. Yep. So are you going to see Titanic too? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. The, the 2010. Know what's on, uh, okay, tomatoes? so yeah, there, is the, there, no, there is a Titanic two. There is a Titanic two from totally. 2010. Uh-huh. What the heck is this thing? Oh, the uh, the premise is a tsunami hurls an iceberg at a new cruise liner in the modern day. <laughs> and they called the boat the Titanic two. Yes. And they're they're going to follow the same path of the original Titanic. Is there a love story in this? You know, I didn't read that far into okay. it. I had a 15 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, and so I was like, ooh. It's not a zero percent, but no, fifteen but that's much not Yeah, <laughs> are they called tsunamis in the Atlantic? In the North or maybe Atlantic? it was a tsunami just... in the Pacific, but it was so strong, so, so strong. big, it, it, it somehow right, sucked right an over, iceberg over right from the Atlantic. Just tossed it. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could see a great Sharknado Titanic hybrid movie oh, wow. being made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ice, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Iceberg Sharknado. <laughs> like a, the, the, the tornado now picks up sharks and icebergs. Or what if like the iceberg had cryogenically like frozen, frozen sharks into an iceberg oh, and they were like they were like prehistoric sharks. So they're oh, like dinosaur man. sharks. Why am I seeing Samuel L. Jackson in this movie? Because as oh, you're describing this, I'm imagining Because I, I just it. got a text that he's in. Hey, if there's any... Signed yeah. on to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think though... If Jack had lived, we would have needed a Titanic too to see where their relationship would have gone. And I think that it would have been another disaster movie. Their relationship hits an iceberg and we yeah. see how empty their infatuation was. Two different worlds just can't come together like that that <laughs> right. quickly. And the Titanic. True. So they would have hit the Titanic. They would have been on the Titanic twice. I'm thinking for some reason they're on the Lusitania. Yeah? They get bombed? They get bombed. Okay. This relationship well, was going down anyways. They I get bombed, and yeah. Jack and Rose start World War One. Isn't that America's entry into World War One, the Lusitania? Yeah, we're English teachers. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Jeez, Louise. But here's let me let, let me go a little bit further into this this Titanic two idea. Everybody thinks that this is the unsinkable relationship. It's prime 
for a disaster. I mean, that's why the song was so hugely popular at weddings, and I think you still hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the song that signals eternal love. Um, well, Anne, thanks for, thanks for joining us thanks and for putting up with me. our tangents. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah it was, I, I'm really glad to get your perspective on it. Um, I, I do think the, the teenage girl perspective on Titanic at the time is a very unique and important yeah. perspective. But I like that we brought you on because you didn't buy into the hype. You know, you weren't the Leo fanatic. Yeah. You know? Not at all. Matt Damon all the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All the way. So it'd be a very okay, different again, conversation. I don't know talking. who's pitting them against each other, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me, though, of my friends when I was getting into Bob Dylan. I was like, you guys should listen to Bob Dylan. They're like, we like James Taylor. And I'm like, when did that mean you couldn't like Bob Dylan? All right. So why don't we go ahead and uh, uh, talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing in our next episode of Can't We Still Be Friends? Well, we visited our past for Titanic. Some drumming up of the past was necessary for some of us um so let's kind of return we've got it's our 50th episode i know i can't believe coming that. up yeah i didn't i never thought we'd make it this far to be honest no well maybe we should wait till we do it because that's true maybe, who knows things can happen but if uh, we get to this episode it'll be our 50th um so we're gonna blend present with the past the uh the current climate in america not the weather which is very nice. 60-something 60 degrees 60-something degrees. February, February 17th, 66 degrees was the highest I yeah. saw. Well, actually, I should say the, the weather and the climate in general are very hot. Heating up. Heating up. Heating yeah. up. We'd be remiss. Maybe not. Maybe we don't have to do this, but we feel like we want to do this. We want to do, do it. This. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of tension and a lot of anger. So we're going we're gonna to revisit the 1976 classic and mm-hmm. often considered masterpiece network a movie that deals with uh, as nate just put it off mic the commodification of anger mm-hmm. um with news with new, the, the, the idea yeah. of news and journalism and where is where is ranting on the scale of journalism mm-hmm. we've both seen this movie but i believe just once yeah and it's been years and it's been a long time for me as well um i'm really looking forward to giving this one a much closer oh and i think look. we're gonna bring a I, I don't think there's a way we couldn't bring a lot more perspective to it than where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, and you, you, know, o- you often hear of Patty Chayefsky's script uh, being referred to as prescient. It's kind of a movie that no matter when people have watched it, they've right. said, this guy nailed it. Just lately in what's been happening in the headlines, it's just... It just... it Network felt like the right movie to watch, I think, for, yeah. for this episode. I think we're both trying to... I think everybody's trying to deal with... What do they do with their anger? Yeah. Uh, because I don't think anybody's not angry. Right. So, maybe a heavy episode. Could be. Sorry about that. If you need lighthearted, uh, Harry Potter is probably our, our, our giggliest episode. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Network is one of those movies that sort of, if, if, if you're into film, it's kind of one of those things you got to see. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it, we definitely encourage you to watch it yep. before we do our episode. If you have seen it, why watch not watch it again? It again? Yeah. Why not? What are you, above that? You shouldn't be. It's network. I know. Hattie Chayefsky's prescient film. Sidney Lumet's... Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, so why not watch it? Let's stop Yeah, who stop are we to say what his best and... is, but who's to say network isn't? I'm not going to say that, and I don't think our listeners should either, no. so they should watch this movie. And I resent them for, for even implying it. <laughs> Can we go through one episode with you not resenting our listeners? That's on them. <laughs> 
I think it's best we end this. We do yeah. appreciate you folks. We do. That was all done in resentment, notwithstanding. Uh, but if you watch Titanic as uh, a teen or a child or as an adult, let us know. You've got us on Facebook. You've mm-hmm. got us on Twitter at CWSBF. Uh, you've got our website, CanWeStillBeFriends.net. Our email address, if you'd like to email mm-hmm. us directly, feedback at CanWeStillBeFriends.net. You know, if you can remember CanWeStillBeFriends.net, mm-hmm. or even just CanWeStillBeFriends, it gets you pretty it, far. Oh, man, that's like the password to get you into the speakeasies yeah. all over the city. A little bit harder to remember, though, is if you want to leave a voicemail. True. This one's a tricky one, so let me just uh, lay this that out numbers. for you. Yeah, this is numbers. There's not any hidden code to this or anything. It's just a string of numbers. The voicemail, if you'd like to leave us a little quick uh, voicemail, we'd love to hear from you. We might even put it in the show. That number is 847-306-9532. Give us a call. And as always, you could leave a, leave a rating on iTunes. That would help us out a ton. And share this with that. your friends. Thanks, as always, for listening to this podcast and for subscribing, and uh, we will catch you next time. Yep. I didn't know. I, I, I...